The red, white, and blue are champions again for the second straight World Cup. The women get it done, defeating the Netherlands on Sunday. 2-0 the final. We've got that to break down. we got the Gold Cup final. El Tree victorious in that. we got so much to talk about. LAFC is red hot and on fire in MLS. Stoppage time. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. We're the home of LAFC. We've got the Portland Timbers coming up in the U.S. Open Cup. That's Wednesday night. You'll hear that right here on ESPN LA and ESPN LA 710. You can check it out on the app if you need to. All over the country and beyond. So we just it's just absolutely stunning performance by the U.S. Look, I've sa- I say it time and time again. Finals don't always look like the prettiest things. All you're trying to do is win, right? Whether that's the uh, World Cup final, like yesterday, or the men's World Cup final last year, they're not always the prettiest thing. Gold Cup finals, you just get you just win. The prettiness comes from the final score, and it's 2-0 U.S. over Netherlands. And the United States dominant throughout the tournament. They had some issues at times, like every team does. They weren't perfect in this tournament. They had some interesting games in the knockout stages. But you never felt like they weren't going to win. At least I didn't. I never felt like the U.S. is not going to win this tournament. Now, after their the whole thing with Thailand and the celebrations, I said, you better win if you're going to celebrate like that. That's fine. And the United States maintained that kind of arrogance, if you will, but in sports, that's fine if you can back it up. These are professionals. This is not eight-year-old T-ball. I got no problem with it. If you can back it up, fine. But you better win. And you know what the U.S. said to me? We're going to win, and they did. That's a, they're shoving it down everybody's throat. That's fine. It was awesome. It was a great game. Some of the best performances I saw individually in the entire tournament for the U.S., and you need that. I thought Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dahlkamper in the middle of defense played their best game, to be honest. I mean, you can argue that Miedema and some of the Netherlands attackers, they were trying to. it seemed like they were trying to dribble the ball in the back of the net instead of trying to take shots at times, frankly. If I had any criticism of the Netherlands, and they're not as good as the United States, the best team won, so I'm not going to pick on the Netherlands too much, but at times, you know, six shots, one on goal when you're trailing a lot, put the ball on frame. You know, it seemed like too often. I know that Miedema's a very, Vivian Miedema's a great talent, one of the best in the world. But, you know, you, you don't have to dribble the ball in the back of the net. Sometimes you can shoot it into the back of the net, okay? I didn't think they tested Elisa Nair that much. Now, to the credit of Sauerbrunn and Dahlkemper, as I said, they played great. Crystal Dunn, you know her as my favorite player, if you've listened to the show, right? Left back. She's my favorite U.S. women's player. And she had a brilliant game on that left uh, left side. Unbelievable game. The midfield's been dynamic. Uh, Julie Ertz... Mewis and, of course, the great Rose Lavelle, who scored the uh, the clinching goal off of a fantastic tackle by Crystal Dunn, by the way. And then up front, you got Megan Rapino, Tobin Heath, and the legend Alex Morgan. And Megan got the first goal. Rapino got the first goal on the PK. Yes, it was a penalty. I'm not 
going to sit here and talk about VAR. Who cares? I don't want it ruining a great final by even chatting about it, good or bad. But two goals within about eight minutes in the United States essentially cruise to the 2-0 victory. The Netherlands really never really I didn't feel like a threat. And again, that's not to say they're not a good team. They deserve to be in the final. I think they were the second best team. Overall of everybody, I know people talk about France and everything. The United States took care of them earlier in the tournament. Even Sweden is a good... But the Netherlands got by, you know, did what they had to do. I'll say this, you know, it wasn't the best overall tournament by a few players that maybe are getting a little more pub. But when you have a a player like Rose Lavelle and Julie Ertz and Crystal Dunn doing a lot of the work, I mean, this team is just absolutely loaded And what I saw, you know, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition. Some of the older talent, right, maybe on their last World Cup potentially, you know, the the generation who's been winning for so long, Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, uh, you know, they're they're kind of like the the seasoned veterans, if you will. And there's a few more out of them, obviously, you know, Carly Lloyd, Kristen Press have been around. They're they're great players. And then you got someone like Rose Lavelle coming up. And you can just see the talent that she just absolutely oozes talent. Uh, I mean, she is ridiculously good. And she's still, you know, only 24, right, coming up. She's got a long way to go in terms of she's got plenty of World Cups in her future, hopefully. And it's just so good to see that kind of talent. Still seasoned veteran in her own right, don't get me wrong. But it's just the United States absolutely fully deserved it and are loaded and they really just absolutely dominant i you know i understand germany's very good I, I get it these teams are very good the women's game is getting better and better and better and the united states still just so much better than everybody else they really are there's still a lot of catch-up to do and they're getting it don't get me wrong the europe and asia and and south america and africa they're all getting better in the women's game make no mistake I'm not sitting here telling you, though, this is five steps back for everybody else because the U.S. is so dominant. The U.S. is dominant despite everybody else getting a lot better. So there's still just a mountain to climb for these other nations. That's just, that's just it. And it's so much fun. What a great game and a great win for the United States and a brilliant tournament. I know, look, the one thing that bothers me about all of it is because people were bothered with all this politics. I'm not talking about left-right politics. I'm just talking about women getting paid and all the, the the game needs to go here and here. All I was saying was let's just enjoy it. And today we can start talking about the future and all these very important issues. And I know that's not the stance most people will take. They they say, oh, you got to bring it up during the... T-. No, just enjoy it. You don't need to talk about that stuff during the tournament. Let's build the game up. Because the average American sports fan doesn't want to hear it, frankly. They don't know enough about the issues, and then they feel alienated about it. They just want to enjoy the games when the World Cup's going on. And I'm not talking about diehards like us. But the more we just allow the beefing over these issues or the complaints, again, justifiable, don't get me wrong, but we can take care of that afterwards. True soccer people... And fans like us and the Federation and the teams, we can take care of that now. But for the average sports fan, whether we're trying to reach with the beautiful game, right? I'm not, talk- I'm not talking women's, I'm talking anything, men, women, everybody. 
we're trying to reach them. Let's just enjoy the games. And these games were awesome. The World Cup is fantastic. It only comes around once every four years. For a lot of these women, and I'm not just talking about the U.S. team, it might be their only time. So I hope they all got as much out of it as they possibly could and hopefully worried very little about the politics of it and the and all the issues surrounding it off the field. You know, off the pitch. We'll take care of that now. Now we can start doing that. And to me, a little bit was lost along the way because of it. And that's just frustrating because the U.S. and all the women, really, who are participating, not just the United States, they deserve better. They deserve us to not talk about that during the games. Talk about the games. Break down the tactics. Criticize. Praise. Enjoy. That's what we're supposed to be doing during that month plus. And I hope everybody got out as much as they could as a fan. I really do. Because it was a brilliant final. The United States get it done. Now we'll likely see the victory tour going on. Looks like you can turn your attention to the NWSL. Looks like ESPN's going to be uh, doing some games there if you want to go that route. So a brilliant victory for the U.S. women. Uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup, not such a brilliant uh, night for the United States. Mexico, El Tri, get the 1-0 win. Now, I'll say this. Now listen to me really closely when we're talking about this game. You know who the big winner was in that game last night? MLS. Major League Soccer had its fingerprints all over that Gold Cup final. And that was good to see. I know a lot of players missing for both sides. Didn't take anything away from that game. It was a spectacular game, really. And again, finals aren't usually... I really thought it was just a blistering pace they stepped out on the pitch with. The United States played really well early, and if they would have finished a chance or two better, they might have been able to take it at Mexico all game long. But to the credit of El Tri, you give them a little bit of an inch. If you don't hit your, you know, if you don't hit your shots, if you don't bury them, look out. And Jonathan Dos Santos with an absolutely outstanding finish for the only goal of the game right around the 71st, 72nd minute. It was enough. U.S. were just wasteful with their chances, but they got good chances, and they played pretty well. I am not a guy who moralizes about there is no such thing in professional sports, none as a moral victory. It doesn't exist. I'm not saying that it was a moral victory. I just thought they both teams played pretty well. I mean, I love what I saw out of a few players. I mean, Christian Pulisic is just the best player in CONCACAF. Sorry, I'm not sorry to say it. It just... It's fact. And don't don't shove down some of these other players all around. This is not true. Yes, Pizarro is good. Just stop, okay? Christian Pulisic is so good. On the football, off the football, anywhere around the football. Now, I thought Weston McKinney, who's had a pretty good tournament, <laughs> wasn't his best night wearing the captain's armband either. He kind of hurt him last night. But Christian Pulisic, just absolutely fantastic. Josie Altador did a lot of dirty work. He just couldn't finish, and that was the difference. He played pretty well. But as a scorer, as I always say, you got to put the ball in the back of the net. 
We'll have more on that game coming up as well. We got Vince LaRosa of LAFC.com with a black and gold breakdown coming up. We still have stoppage time. Plenty more to get to here. Don't forget, you can podcast the show. Go to iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center. Search for Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review, please. I can take it if you hate the show. It's fine. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Atuesta going to send it long here on the near side to Vela, who's onside into the offensive zone. Great takedown by Vela. Just outside of the 18. Vela into the 18. Left-footed shot. Goal! Vancouver Whitecaps come into town, and LAFC destroys them 6-1. The final big game coming up on Wednesday against Portland Timbers. Want to talk about it with this uh, fine gentleman here. It's Black and Gold Breakdown with Vince LaRosa. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. Oh, good friend at LAFC Vince on Twitter. Vince LaRosa of LAFC.com. Vince, always a pleasure, buddy. What a performance. It's, uh, you know, when revenge is on their mind this year, Vince, it's a scary thing for the opposition here. Yeah, Dave, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you still have a voice after calling 11 goals <laughs> over, the, over the past two matches, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, it seems like LAFC, anytime they have a score to settle, they, they settle it um, and then go well above and beyond because Vancouver, uh, I mean, they just lit them up. And, and we can even say a Sporting KC was a score to settle. They beat the only team to beat them twice in the regular season last year, and uh, they really made a, a statement. Uh, 5-1 victory, even when they're not. I, I would say LFC wasn't even playing their best against KC, mm-hmm. um, but they they dominated in the areas they needed to, and then Vancouver was just the, that all-around match where just you could tell the guys were just having absolute fun out there, just passing around and trying to one-up each other. Vince, so often last season, we saw LAFC play good football at times, great football at times last season, even though they were an expansion side, quote-unquote. But they would slip up, you know, drop points, give up late goals, lose leads. Why are they not doing that this season? You know, I I, I want to say that I think a lot of it is not the sexy answer. A lot of it is just these guys have been together now and they know the system even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Bradley always says that, you know, they ask players to do things that they're normally not comfortable with. And you got to kind of take that in consideration because a player, when he's out there on the pitch, he's kind of has that second voice in his head telling him what to do, but maybe he doesn't want to put himself in that position. And this year they've all bought in. And, and you're absolutely right. They're doing the things that, you know, last year we were like, we'd say, hey, this is great, but this is iffy here, this is iffy here. I mean, they're winning games when they, when they don't play well, which is one thing that we couldn't say from last year. They're keeping teams from – from scoring in late matches. And then the last thing, and I think one of the most important things, is there's, they seem to be getting that third goal. It seems like whenever LAFC can get that third goal, um, they're able to just control matches and put teams away. All right, be honest. LAFC Vince joining us. Vince LaRosa, you check out his work at LAFC.com. But he's always an honest guy when it comes to football. And I'll say it honestly, Vince, this is a question that I've been asking myself. With a little tip of the cap to the Toronto uh, to F- uh, Toronto FC recently, and the 1998 LA Galaxy, couple of other teams along the way. Is this the best you've ever seen an MLS team just like play, actually perform on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and it's the records. The records back it up, but I, I want to focus more on that. I mean, this is this is a cohesive soccer team that that mm-hmm. plays a brand of soccer that if you're watching other leagues, you can now kind of look at it and say, oh, I, I'm seeing some things that I really. Uh, enjoy from top teams like Manchester City, Barcelona, and I know maybe I'm going to take flack for that, just like Bob Bradley takes flack for comparing, you know, Carlos Bella to Messi, but 
you can't watch that game and not remove, you know, the names from the jerseys and not tell me that you're not seeing movements that you're used to seeing on high-level matches, both in Champions League, you know, Serie A, EPL. This is just a beautiful team to watch. And I can't speak much for the 98 Galaxy, but I'm going to guarantee that they weren't playing this style of football with this style of results and just dominating teams. No, because they weren't playing the level of competition either. The MLS is so much better than it once was. Oh, That's just the bottom line. So, I mean, the, the opponents that LAFC are just dismembering, actually Vancouver's been playing pretty well of late, even though they're not a really great team yet, certainly. They don't have a, the roster they really want at this point, and LAFC just ran right through them. I completely agree. We're talking with Vince LaRosa here on Black and Gold Breakdown from LAFC.com. You love his work there. He's also got the podcast with Max Bredos. What is that? Give us a, a little taste of what's been going on in the podcast, Vince. Podcast has been a little bit silent on Max and my uh, area just because Max is on vacation, but we will be coming back with something tomorrow to, to preview the big match. Nice. Um, we got got a little talk about some Women's World Cup, but I will say this, and I want to shout out one of the other podcasts that's kind of on our network. Jordan Harvey, Stephen Bayeshore did a fantastic podcast from the plane, from the charter flight, leaving Sporting KC, <laughs> and basically they just grabbed guys as they walked down the aisle of the plane. Um, and I would say check that out. It's a must-listen. These, these are raw reactions straight after the match, stories about playing against Benny Failhaber, story they got Christian Mermeres talking about uh, putting the ball underneath the wall for that first goal. I would say check it out. Uh, the sound is, is not you know the most amazing, but bear with them. They were on a plane. So literally you're hearing the plane, and you're hearing the players talk. Defenders on a plane. All right. I love it. Uh, that, is a, that is a good podcast, no doubt. Uh, Jordan Harvey, Stephen Bedishore, part of the LAFC Podcast Network, as is this guy, Vince LaRosa. We love talking to him here on Black and Gold Breakdown. Vince, you know, it, this is a weird stretch, obviously. We all knew it coming in with the five goal, five games in 15 days. And, of course, with Walker and Tyler and, and Peter Lee was out for a while. And everybody, you know, a little bit of the depth was stretched a little bit. Uh, Nico Hamalainen has been sent, uh, sent back off of the loan. It's done, and he goes back to QPR. Uh, but where are we at in terms of this stretch, Vance? I know that the results are there now of late. Obviously, they're playing well, but this week is crucial. you got Portland. You can't look past that because it's the U.S. Open Cup, and then just less than 24 hours later, you're going to the heat and humidity of Houston, Texas. This is another tough stretch here. Yeah, and I would absolutely say that Wednesday is the most pivotal part of that stretch. No, no difference to, to Houston. Um, you know that the way that that game set up less than 48 hours between Portland and there. I mean, that's just it's difficult. It's two different competitions, so unfortunately, there's no changing it. But this Portland match, this is where you're hoping the team is crescendoing. When you look at five to one, six to one, where the football, the scores have been there, and not and, and not just that, the football has started to got better. You're hoping that they're crescendoing at the right moment because Wednesday is the match to be at. It is the most important match of this five run stretch because it's a one off. I mean, you you lose this match to Portland, you're out of the Open Cup, and I, and if you look at who's left in the Open Cup. If you could get past Portland, this is almost one of those finals before the final. If you can get past Portland, you, you, have, you have a very good chance of going to that final. So LAFC has to look at this and say, you know, all our eggs are kind of in this basket um, and say that that Houston game is just oddly timed anyway. So maybe, you know, we, we definitely want to uh, take it as that's three points in the league and you never want to pass that up. But Wednesday is the match where I, I believe we will see the strongest LAFC team and the, the focus is squarely on that match. Yeah, uh, and for some reason... Well, I mean, they gained a little bit of confidence, confidence, even maybe in a loss, but Portland believes that they can play with LAFC, and Portland certainly has a lot of really good weapons, Vince. This is a tough team. 
Yeah, Brian, Brian Fernandez has, has been nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, and I, I, I say that wholly wishing that he wasn't this good. Yeah. Um, but he's got a guy that you have to just keep an eye on wherever you are. And the way Portland plays, they basically are willing to sacrifice uh, everyone behind Fernandez and Valeri just so that they can spring those players. So they're going to be rigid in defense, and they're going to say, hey, Brian Fernandez can probably beat two defenders on his own. And with Diego Valeri feeding him the balls in, in transition situations, it's tough, man, because they're, they're not, they don't come at you with numbers, but they don't need to. We're talking with Vince LaRosa, black and gold breakdown here. He's from LAFC.com. You'll love his work there. Check out his podcast with Max Bredos as well. Vince, I don't I mean, look, I I love me some cheese may, but I don't do it on the, I don't peddle it on the show really too much. So I don't want to I want I want no names. I want no team names when I ask this question, all right? I just want a generic answer. I'm not gonna put you on the spot, but I want no names, right? No club. Okay. Are some are teams sniffing around? For certain LAFC players now, are we you know, teams all over the world, Vince? Are they sniffing around now because of the success they're having? Yeah, I can't. You know, I have to be. Uh, you're honest with me, Dave, and I will always be honest with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no team names and no player names, but there's a lot of guys that we can all easily say has have exceeded. We know the names. Yeah, we don't have to worry about yeah. it. But. Uh... When I think you look at players and you say this, without saying names, you look at players and say, where was their ceiling? And then the fact that you have to readjust it again and say, wait, I might have been wrong. This mm-hmm. ceiling is even higher. Yeah. That's what teams from Europe see, and that's what they want to bank on. And this is what MLS wants. And LAC wants this, too. Look, we, yeah. we are a team that is, is a club that will be here. There will be players to restock. There is the mechanism to restock it um, with the scouts that we have in South America, all throughout the world. But on top of it, we are also a team for, for our players. Um, and I think that that's, that's one thing that you always have to keep in mind because there's not, there's not a team in the world that is able to get the highest level players without being at least on the side of the players in one way or another. So when players have the opportunity to move on, it's something that we should respect and we should also you know, celebrate and know that their mechanisms are in place to replace those players. Yeah, but absolutely. Yes, there, there, is, there is definitely interest. I wouldn't say anybody should freak out right now, though, because as of right now, from what I'm hearing, is everybody's all in on this season. Um, so sure. the summer is not a time where we would see, you know, the, the bigger name people getting poached because really we're, pl- we're playing with house money, man. I mean, we're, yeah. going, we're going all in on MLS Cup. We're going all in on Open Cup. We're going all in on a supporter shield. So I, I think if anyone's worried uh, at this very moment in time because the summer window is coming open, I, I, I think we can allay those fears a little bit. That's fantastic. We are talking with Vince LaRosa. Vince, one final thing, Women's World Cup, United States – does it again, second straight victory in the final. They beat the Netherlands. You know, it's it's funny, Vince. This team, clearly so dominant, you know, and I, not that the Netherlands didn't put up a good fight. There's been a few teams that have given the U.S., you know, all they could handle in the knockout stages, but clearly the best team. Uh, your thoughts on that? I, I thought Rose Lavelle yesterday was just ridiculously good and even raised her level up even, even further than I thought she might be able to because she's already been playing outstanding football, but to me, she really uh, really stepped forward. But the whole team, just an incredible tournament. What a run, huh? Yeah, my favorite. Rose LaBelle was my favorite player of the tournament. I mean, the I like Crystal Dunn. Able... Crystal Dunn's my favorite U.S. women's player, by the way. I just, oh, what a great player well, in the left-back spot. And a great segue, too, because Crystal Dunn, heck of a tackle to spring Rose LaBelle for yes. that, that goal. I mean, you the cannot goal. <laughs> under... Yeah, you cannot underplay how good that tackle was. And then, obviously, Rose does the rest. I mean, Rose was... Uh, a, a player that I knew a little bit about, and I knew she had skills, but seeing her tenacity on both sides of the ball, she was 
just an amazing two-way player, can dribble, can pass. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big guy that really liked uh, Lindsey Horan, but when you have Roosevelt playing as good as she was, uh, you know, you had the luxury of keeping Lindsey Horan on the bench. I mean, Lindsey Horan didn't even uh, feature in the final. Yeah. So Roosevelt, I mean, a future big, big-time star. And I would say the other side of that for, for the, the women's national team is this. Their stars were their stars. At a World Cup, when you need your best players to be your best players, the the Megan Rapinos, the Alex Morgans, they they basically told us, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. I don't I don't care about the noise around us. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to do this." And they did it. They fulfilled on every single promise. And that's uh, that's something that a lot of teams that that go into competitions like this, knockouts that have star-studded sides, they maybe falter a little bit, but every single one of the star players just stepped up in big ways and in big moments. And I think at the end of the day, if you have that, it doesn't matter what kind of style of football you're playing. You have your stars be your stars. You're going to go far. Well, you are a star for LAFC.com and on Twitter. You can find him at LAFC Vince. Vince LaRosa joining us here with the Black and Gold Breakdown. Vince, as always, buddy, really appreciate it. We'll see you in a few. Yep, love, love being on. Thanks, Dave. You got it. Vince LaRosa from LAFC.com. Check out his work. Check out the podcast with Max Bredos as well. We are continuing on. we got more on the Women's World Cup. Got so much more to get to, including stoppage time still to come. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of the black and gold, ESPN LA 710. Helped on by Mewis to LaFell. The game's opening up. Rose LaFell. Lovely run. Great goal. Brilliant goal. Rose LaFell might have won the World Cup for the United States with a fantastic goal. FIFA TV with the call there of Rose Lavelle's 69th minute goal at Eisted as the United States beat Netherlands 2-0 to win that World Cup yesterday. A fantastic win for Lavelle and the United States. Great performances all the way around, fully deserved. This is what it sounded like, the final call from FIFA TV as the U.S. clinched that 2-0 victory. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. And for the very first time, they've done it on European soil. It is finished at the Stade de Lyon in the final in victory and joy for the United States. Oh, that feels good. Oh, does that sound good from FIFA TV as well? Great call. The United States winning 2-0 over Netherlands. Megan Rapino got things going with a penalty. I didn't think, you know... Again, uh, Megan Rapinoe, uh, best player in the tournament, named that. You know, I thought Rose Lavelle certainly could have been, no doubt. But it, look, you can talk about how Rapinoe played maybe on the wing at times and this and that. And then, of course, she missed the one game with maybe what was a little bit of a knock. But hey, when you have to step up and make penalties in big situations, and there's none bigger than the World Cup, and you do, well, you deserve a lot of credit, right? Because we've seen a whole lot of great players who step up to take penalties and don't finish. So you can say whatever you want in terms of goals scored or, well, there was a lot of penalty. You got to finish them. And when you send Megan Rapino up there, it's in the back of the net. Kudos to her for that 61st-minute penalty, which proves to be the game-winner. Then you heard the call on the Lavelle goal that really iced it for the United States. Not so fortunate for the men in the Gold Cup final. A big night for MLS. I thought I thought Michael Bradley played well. I don't know what people are watching when they think. Does anybody see the balls this guy delivers up front where, quite frankly, many times his teammates don't really deliver on what they should be doing with the balls that he's sending forward? Anybody notice that, or is that just me? 
How can it just be me? I thought uh, Josie Altador, Altador just did not finish, but he's got to get back up to like classy finishing. Did an awful lot of everything else for the United States. I thought Jonathan Dos Santos was magnificent. Best player for Mexico on the night. Just happened to have the goal as well. So it was a big night for him. Oh, did you see Uriel Antuna getting the start out there running around? Galaxy uh, forward as well. So well represented, no doubt. Uh, The league looked good there in that Gold Cup final. But Mexico deserved to win. They were the best team in the tournament. But I do believe the United States had some positive strides forward under Greg Berhalter in the tournament. So I want to see what happens now as we get going and we continue on. Got CONCACAF Nations League coming up. And then, of course, everybody's eyes will turn to World Cup qualifying, which will be here sooner than you think. So I'm already nervous for that. Already nervous for that. So much good football. Speaking of good football, there might not have been any better football played all week than what LAFC did to Vancouver over the weekend. You heard it here on ESPN LA. We are the home of the black and gold. A 6-1 thrashing, six unanswered goals on Saturday at the bank as LAFC just absolutely continues to roll. And it's, you know, it's the guy's, guy's name is Carlos Vela. I mean, that's the bottom line. Two more goals from Vela, an assist. I mean, the dude is absolutely... How many games have they played? I think it's, what, 19? Well, then he has 19 goals. And 12 assists or something outrageous. I don't even know what the number is anymore. I'll have to look it up. I mean, the superlatives, I've run out of talking about how good he is in terms of superlatives. I don't know what else to say. You heard us talking with Vince LaRosa. He said it. I asked a question. I will back it up by saying I agree with him. This is the best I've ever seen any MLS team play. Long way to go. Got to get through a whole season. Not going to sit here and say, I don't know what records are going to fall or what's going to happen by the end of the year. This is the best I've ever seen an MLS team play. Now, the LA Galaxy of 98, if you remember back that far, if you're even born back then, if you're not, you should go look them up. That was a juggernaut, no doubt. They did not win MLS Cup. That was the one thing that just stained that whole ridiculous season for the 98 LA Galaxy side. Scored more goals than you can even imagine. They were running through teams left and right. It was like they were on a fast break every time you turned around all season long and put it into the back of the net 85 times in like 32 games. But that was like MLS 1.0. The league has obviously improved leaps and bounds since then. And LAFC is still making it look way too easy. Just running through... I mean, again, what else can be said? If you're missing out on this, you're just missing out. The dominance. And it's just fun. How can you not enjoy it? They are plus 34 in goal difference. In 19 games. And, and I'll say it like this, it's not like they're 19-0 and and have a plus 34 goal difference. That's hard enough to do. But they've drawn four games and lost two. Now, that's a brilliant record, mind you. 
43 points. But it's not as though this goal difference comes from just doing nothing but winning every game. The games they are winning, those 13 wins, most of them have just been absolute thrashings. And I counted it up on the weekend, and I think I'm still... Seven games of four goals or more out of 19? (laughs) 8-0-1 at home. 5-2-3 on the road, which is utterly ridiculous. And it just, I mean... And frankly, that was a lineup that was a little bit makeshift. Not, you know, it's obviously they have plenty of depth, so it's not, I'm not, no disrespect to anybody. But they rested Jordan Harvey and Stephen Betashore out of the starting lineup. Harvey got a few minutes late in the game. And, you know, it wasn't as though they, the, the back line had three guys in it that aren't necessarily guys that you're going to th- think are like starters every week. In other words, their depth, and they've been playing great, mind you all three of them, but Eddie Segura was like the only pencil him into the starting if everybody's healthy and everybody's available back line. And yet, they gave up the early goal. Pablo Cisniega, a little bit of a lack of communication there. Didn't matter. Settled in and went to business against Vancouver, the team that had, one of the teams that had beaten them earlier in the year. And the Whitecaps didn't know what hit them. I, the, the passing... The combinations, just the absolute intensity around the football for LAFC is a thing of beauty. It has to be experienced. You have to watch this team if you like this game. I know. I understand. Some of you are driving around. I hate uh, MLS, Denholm. I love the show. Just hate MLS. I'm not going to watch. You're missing out. You're missing out. Look. If you're a diehard Liverpool fan, you know, we talked about Liverpool and how they won the Champions League. We had some great guests on talking about Liverpool. If you're a Chelsea fan, you can't wait for Christian Pulisic to debut. If you love the Bundesliga, I get it. You're a Barcelona guy, understand. You love the beautiful game, you listen to the show. If you're not watching LAFC, you're missing out. And I implore you, if you love the beautiful game at all, check them out. You don't have to tell anybody. Right? Just be our little secret. You are missing out on beautiful and unbelievable football. And let's be frank. It's not often that this comes around. I'm not just talking about MLS. I'm talking anywhere. You don't often see it like this. It's just at a different level. And if you call yourself a fan of the beautiful game, you got to partake in this. Start out by listening to me call a game. Not because it's me, but just dip your toe in the water. If you don't love MLS, if you hate, a couple of minutes here and there. And you might just be hooked by this team, the way they play. Dominance again, 13-2-4, LAFC now 43 points. They do have this big midweek clash against the hated Portland Timbers in the U.S. Open Cup, and then get right back to it just literally less than 48 hours later in Houston to take on the Dynamo. You can hear both of those games on ESPN LA. It's a tough stretch, but... And then, oh, by the way, after that's done, we have a week to look forward to the game against LA Galaxy down at Dignity Health Sports Park. So, some busy times here 
for LAFC and Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm. Still to come. Stoppage time. We got that to get to. All of that and so much more here every week on Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. Moving on here each and every week, a special Monday edition of the show here. And i got to start out, LA Care Injury Report. It's time for that. At LA Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit lacare.org today. LA Care for all of LA. A decent injury report for LAFC. Alejandro Guido still questionable, still trying to get over that white right quad strain. You do have Danilo Silva, who's been out for a little while with a hamstring strain. And Javi Perez with that ACL tear is out for the season. For Portland Timbers, relatively healthy as well. They've got a couple of question marks, including goalkeeper Jeff Atnella, Bill Tuoloma, and Jorge Villafania as we get ready for that midweek clash. Time now with the great Mario Rees. It's stoppage time. It's stoppage time! It's stoppage time! Yeah. It's stoppage time. Yeah. It's stoppage time! Right now! And we do welcome him in. Uh, Mario, good to talk to you, buddy. Dave, how's it going, my man? Feeling good? good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, feeling good after another great victory at LAFC. And I got to go, you know, show a lot of love to 3252, who's always singing their butt off with all these chants, nonstop cheering. But we heard a, a different chant uh, yeah. this past Saturday. We did. And it went a little something like this. MVP chants going on here at Bank of California Stadium, and why not? Dave, yeah. under any, any circumstance, do you see someone other than Carlos Vela being named MVP of MLS this season? No. No, no, I can't because I don't think Carlos Vela is going to do anything uh, to lose it, right? He's just going to keep playing well. If he keeps playing well, then nobody's going to catch him, and nobody should. I kind of joked about it on Twitter, Mario, at Talk Soccer. I tweeted it out, actually. It's funny you bring this up because I didn't know you were going to ask this. But I asked it just, I don't know, yesterday, the day before, whatever. It got a lot of pub because I was like, I don't want to see these articles coming out. You know, I, I can hardly wait for people to start writing. Actually, the real MVP is this guy. Oh you know, my like, gosh. and here's why. You know, like, oh, it's really Diego Chara. You know, stop! Get stop! out of here! It's Carlos Vela. You know, I mean, it, come on, 19 goals, 12 assists. It's ridiculous. Could have been 20 goals uh, if he didn't give Fito that little gift. But yeah, but that was awesome of him to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he got an assist for it at least. So yeah. the guy. Oh, by the way, he leads the league in both categories. He's ahead of uh, on the assist total too. So it's not like he's just a goal scorer by any means. Although he's leading that by six goals over Zlatan. If Carlos Vela keeps his head about him and stays healthy, right? And he's just so focused this year. He's going to win. He's the best player in the league by far. And it just let's not start with the, yeah, he's great, but here's who's really the MVP. Stop. Don't overthink it, kids. Get out of here with that. It's too easy. Just go with it. Sometimes the right answer is the easy answer. And it's Carlos Vela by far. No doubt about it, Mario. Great stuff, as always, from Thank the you, great Dave. Mario Reese. I am Dave Dunholm. If you ever uh, miss anything of the show, check out the podcast. Go to uh, iTunes. Go to the Pod Center at ESPN. Search for Soccer Weekly. We are the home of LAFC. This is ESPN LA 710.